Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. The jackhammers have stopped. That's not a metaphor. There were jackhammers earlier today. Uh, So I'm very uh, appreciative and grateful for the silence of a lovely Los Angeles morning. And I'm very excited to introduce my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. We're here. We're doing it. We're jackhammering this sobriety. Oh, Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right. Is that aggressive step work? Yeah, what is that's it? That's right. That's work the steps or die, motherfucker energy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, oh, my gosh. Dave, could you read us our uh, clarity statement? Yep. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! And I'm stoked on today's guest. He he has requested to do the podcast, and then we was like back and forth forever because... It's crazy up here in these streets, in these pandemic streets, and uh, and I'm just so excited to have him on. He's uh, he kills it on the gram. I'm a big fan of his gram, his gram. Oh. I'm a big fan of his comedy. It's fantastic. Who are we speaking with today? Hi, I'm Kane Holloway. Oh, hello. how's everybody? Hey. Hello, Kane Holloway. Hey. Hi, hi Dave. Hi, hi Anna. Dave. How is everybody? You know, doing it. I think we both just got back into town from gigs, so we're both Surviving. like surviving. Uh, mm-hmm. Fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same. Uh, Same exact thing. I love it. I love it. So, uh, like, what have you, um, like, what have you been up to in these these days? How you feeling? How you doing? Um. Well, you know, just trying to um, try not to think about the existential crisis that the world is ending all yeah. around us, um, and really try not to let that bog me down. Uh, as much as I possibly can, plus uh, starting a new relationship and uh, kind of uh, introducing her to the idea of my sobriety and what, what that looks like. She's a normie. Wow. She drinks. Look at you. She has the occasional drink when she feels like it. She can hang. She can stop. She'll let, um, she'll let uh, a drink just sit there undrunk. Which I find shocking. I, I don't just, understand people who do that. I was just gonna ask you: Do you stare at the drinks? Sometimes I, I look at my dude, and it's been a minute. I've been clean for a minute, and I'll be like, yeah. "You gonna finish that beer? You're driving me crazy, dude. Just <laughs> yeah, just finish it. It's alcohol. It's meant to be drunk or not at all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That shit's getting warm. You gonna waste that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I don't understand it. You gonna tell the waitress? Wait, no, don't dump that out. Aren't you gonna? drink it waitress aren't you gonna <laughs> take that don't make sure you drink that before you put the rest of the dishes in the bus bin oh could you <laughs> could you imagine the way we used now with corona happening like been, doing the mental dead. math of like 
Well, every dollar, every stimulus dollar would have been spent on fucking alcohol and weed. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Right. Right. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Even when like I, I quit my job. <laughs> when I was an Uber driver, I didn't work for shit because I was just getting hammered all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm my own boss. I'll get it figured out. And then I would just polish off a bottle of whiskey and watch the same movie over and over again. Were and you having to get what was yourself your movie? an Uber? I want to know that too. I want to know. I want to know your Uber status and what that movie was. <laughs> Uh, the, my Uber status was pretty, I was uh, rocking a 5.0 because I was never out. Uh, and the movie I would watch all the time was Mad Max Fury Road. Jesus oh my Christ. God, Kate, that Why? is. That's, that's like, that, that, that's like literally pouring a rock star energy into your eyes. <laughs> First of all. I love that movie. I'm not saying it's, it's a bad great. movie. Um, I'm just saying it's you're literally movie. dumping Red Bull into your eyeballs. <laughs> oh yeah, it's aggression. It, I feel like all of the uh, the war boys, uh, the all the war boys are my alcoholic tendencies, mm-hmm. and and um, uh, Immortan Joe is me. Like I'm Immortan Joe, and then I just I'm I'm uh, I all my little war boys keep me in power like kept my alcoholism in power like oh witness me and they would do anything to keep me fucking up there to keep me fucking loaded and um that's you know you watched a movie too many times when you start philosophizing what this fucking action movie with little dialogue means for your life you're like this is me exactly this is is who i am this is amazing that is by the way uh that movie is for loco the film Mm. (laughs) <laughs> it sure is like that is uh i had to i've been going back to film school and uh well film community college That's and nice. we had to school, watch right <laughs> yeah we had to watch uh we had to actually watch it twice for cinematography uh because it is it is it's a brilliant film but um my roommate who also went to film school is a comedian and a normie she told me that when she saw that movie in the theater she had a panic attack and had to leave and come back oh, i love it nice. yeah because it. it's such a it's so effective at putting you in the insanity of that world that mm-hmm. like it just like messed her up so that is that is you have a a fury bottom you are your mad came fury bottom and i love that yeah yeah <laughs> That's absolutely That's true. In West Hollywood is Fury Bottom. Ay. Boom. Ay. <laughs> <laughs> we're zipping and zapping, guys. We're, we're doing it. But let's get into these questions. Kane, what yes. does surrender look like to you, my friend? Um, I think the best way I've ever thought about it was um, saying with pride to, peop- to people, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Mm. You know, just having... You know, because I always thought about there's like two two steps of alcohol of accepting your alcoholism. It's when you're still actively drinking, and when people come to you saying they think you have a problem, you're like, "Yeah, I'm an alcoholic," and rather than work on it, you just accept that as your inevitability in life. And then there's that second time you accept it, where you're like, "Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I shouldn't be drinking." Mm. And uh, and that's sort of what surrender looked like to me was not being afraid of not being afraid of the title anymore. And, um, Mm. you know, mostly the idea of of other people's what other people think of you runs a lot of our decisions, which is why I drank a lot of the time. And um, 
and then when I know when I notice other people's discomfort wasn't my problem anymore, other people's discomfort at my at me not drinking mm. uh, wasn't I had that's not my none of my business. And when I realized that uh, it was even easier to surrender to the idea of being an, a full blown alcoholic. What an interesting way for people pleasing and codependency to keep us in the game. Like that is, I think a lot of people experience that discomfort around uh, people not drinking or being the person not drinking. And I always just, my hot tip for people is like, put a water bottle in your hand. No one will ask you any questions. A lot of people are yep. digging that, uh, that water in a can. And I'm not going to say the name because they're not paying us yet. But there's a water in a can. And I've been seeing on sober TikTok that people are, are singing its praises because it's like, oh, I could have this drink and, and it looks like beer to me. It's like, I will, I will fucking chug Shirley Temples at a, at a drinking party <laughs> and be like, this is, I'm, I'm fucking going to get diabetes. Yeah, yeah. I got, like a, a, I'll get a Coke with grenadine in it and I'll be like, more cherries, please. I need like five <laughs> cherries, please. I need the sugar. I just really want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's that's amazing. I love what you said about surrender too. I was just talking to a uh, uh, my a new squirrely sponsee of mine last night. We were talking a lot about surrender, and the expectation around surrender being like a burning bush or something. But it's really just like I'm done. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And accepting that you're done. You know. And and yeah, yeah. And that that's really beautiful. Like what I've had to experience that kind of surrender in and out of recovery a bunch of times, Um, especially, you know, in the growth process, you know, people think that we get clean and sober and that we're like perfect or something or like Buddhas or monks. And, and that's not, that's an unrealistic expectation. We have, I had, I had some defects crop up last night. I had to pull over driving back home and share at a meeting. And Mm -hmm. like, what, what has been, your most like insane moment, you know, those moments where you've had to surrender either in or out of recovery. Like what's been, what's been like your most insane moment so far? Um, I guess insane moment. I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I mean, I, I reached that level. A lot of, um, uh, sober alcoholics do where you're, you're like, oh, I got this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I go to meetings, I talk about it, I'm open about it, and I don't see a relapse coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then um, I was with my roommate and she made a whiskey tea and uh, she just like made t- made hot tea and then poured a bunch of whiskey in it ah. and I could sm- smell it from where she was. Mm-hmm. And then she like came up to, she drunkenly came over to say goodnight to me. <laughs> And she got she got drunk close where it's like it's too close for a stranger. A drunk and drunk people want to have a conversation with you sitting in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Delta variant. Yeah, they're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, whoa, baby, you are close. <laughs> my ru- my roommate is my a little boy that lives in my mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, she like she went good night and that that whiskey hit my nose and that warm comforting Mm -hmm. wonderful feeling that alcohol can give you uh washed over me Mm -hmm. and it was like right around christmas time and i was recently split up from my uh my now ex 
And she left the whiskey sitting on the table and went to bed. And I, I look, and I was like, "You got to be shitting me!" And I was like, "All right, I should, I'm going to go to bed." And I walked past it, and then I stuck my nose in it, took a nice big whiff. That feeling like washed over me again. And then I grabbed, grabbed it, poured it down the drain, and then I called uh, my sponsor, and I was like, "Hey, man, <laughs> apparently I don't have it all." together like i thought i did can you talk me off the ledge what did he um, say did he laugh was he like yeah he just started <laughs> yeah and it was very close to my sobriety birthday mm-hmm. so he was like i would have been uh I, I would have laughed so hard if you if you relapsed on your birthday it's like that's that's the, that's so ridiculous yeah it's like don't he's like don't relapse on your birthday you're almost there stupid and uh and then we talked for like two hours and I'm like, all right, I always have, I always have that yeah. to always go back. Anytime I'm feeling manic or crazy, I always have somebody that can be like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. Every and the most comforting thing is, I think the the most insane thing to realize is how all of your stories and all the stories you're gonna hear in a room, they're gonna be the most insane, and everyone is gonna collectively go, mm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm, sure, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, yeah. They'll laugh even. To They'll be like, huh, the you laugh. shoplifted that too? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I watched a guy crush with a story about um, several daylight liquor store robberies. <laughs> and he was crushing. You talked about it in was a meeting or on stage? In a meeting. I love in how me- we're like all like, in this meeting, this he was... Like, like three applause breaks during his show. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. It was amazing. <laughs> And I've just like I've never heard a story like that before mm-hmm. in my life, and I've also never heard a story because I I mean I wasn't laughing I was it wasn't like I wasn't a life I've ever lived, but to watch other people recognize the life this dude had lived, and been like yeah man me too I'm like wow what a yeah, world it's rare that I hear something in a meeting that's really like oh shit I I mean I've seen I've seen everything there is to see in a meeting, so far. You know, I've watched a homeless dude bring a butcher knife into a meeting and everybody has to mm-hmm. uh, usher him out. I've watched uh, during any any um, fellowship specific related announcements. Uh, I watched a guy with 60 days propose to his girlfriend with 30 days in the center of the meeting hall. And then we never saw them again. Um, I've watched a guy. I've watched a guy be drunk in the meeting and we're like, hey, man, like we want you here. But if you keep interrupting, you're going to have to leave. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not drunk. And then he stands up and two tall boys fall out of his jacket and hit the floor. <laughs> and he goes, those aren't mine. And he leaves. Have you seen a gun hit the ground? Have you seen someone lose their strap before? Not yet. I, not yet. Uh, I got a meeting hall in Long Beach that'll so be an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. I've got I've gone to meeting halls where there's been no door on the on on the room, but there's been bars on the window. Like door is always open because there is no door, so you can go. <laughs> bars yeah, on the window. Yeah, bars on the window. No front door. So amazing, yeah. amazing. Kane, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people, again, it it came up when I was when I was talking last night. Like, you know, the expectation that you're never going to want to use is so unrealistic euphoric recall is a legitimate thing that your brain will do to you and it is completely normal 
to mm-hmm. have cravings. But what you did in that moment was you decided not to use one more day, mm-hmm. which is amazing, you know? Yeah. And you decided to call your sponsor because you could have just been like, well, there's still tea and whiskey in the house. You know what I mean? But you could <laughs> yeah, have stayed yeah. up all night just thinking about the, the right formulation to get away with your shit. And mm-hmm. you decided to call your sponsor. Like, how do you make decisions in your life, like in all areas of your life today? Um, I've always been, I've always been someone that once I'm done with it, I'm done. Um, mm. I think it's funny too. The the hard, the easiest thing to give up was smoking, but it's the still the most attractive one to me out of drinking. Like I'd rather, I'd rather smoke than drink. Mm-hmm. But the hardest thing to give up was drinking because I didn't I didn't realize how bad of a problem it was <clears throat> until I'm I'm uh, on the street shaking mm-hmm. and um, contemplating killing myself for the first time in my in my life I'd never I had never contemplated that before until that moment and then I was uh, it's when I it sort of hit me like oh this is this is this this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I gave I gave it up for somebody else, and then when I realized like oh I, I, I could die I, and the and the feeling of dying was more of just I I I just I need the release. Yeah. I can't. I'm am just so tired. Yeah. I'm so tired of of feeling this awful all the time, uh, which is why I drank and now I feel awful and I can't drink, and it felt like a it felt like this forced. It felt forced on me, like I was being grounded from it. Mm. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> and then when I realized, like, oh no, this is this is this is real. Like this, ha- and this has to be for me. Otherwise, I'm gonna jump in front of this bus. Um, every moment after that was a lot easier. Uh, I started talking about everything all the time, and so now m- most of my decisions are talked out. Ad, ad nauseum. I just talk and talk and talk until um, until like it's out of me. Until like I just feel sort of weightless. Mm-hmm. And um, I always feel like any <clears throat> there's an Alan Watts quote that's great. That is, all decisions are like sneezes. You can you can contemplate them all you want, but one day you're just gonna make it. One yeah. day the choice the choice will just be made. Yeah. Um, no matter how much you think about and it. And if you do it in and public, people rea- are going to look at you like you're a terrorist. <laughs> exactly. You ever sneeze in public these days? <laughs> it's insane. Like I, Dave, I, I, I literally bury my face inside my shirt whenever I got a cough or a sneeze. I, I'm like, oh, I'd yeah. rather do that than just like cough or sneeze and have like everybody look at me like I'm a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I Yeah. I sneezed in a... Uh, in a Trader Joe's with my mask on and I did this and that was exactly what happened. Everybody was like, <gasps> like they were, they were like, ah, and especially cause this, you know, this nose needs a D cup, you know, uh, mask. So, so it was, people were like, what is she going to do to this Trader Joe's? And I was like, shut up, get your gnocchi. Um, but that's, um. it requires, you know, decisions for me. The reason why that was, uh, that is a question. Decisions for me were such a like uh, difficult thing because of a lack of faith that I had in in the process. And mm-hmm. 
So the fact that you can get in there and you can talk it out and you can identify that feeling. I think what's really important is you're good at identifying the feeling of like weightlessness. That's when you're like, okay, I've surrendered to the decision. It's time to Mm -hmm. go. And so I, I just, I absolutely love that description because it is, it does feel like, oh, okay. You know, like, and I, and when I develop the ability to make decisions over time, I, uh, it, I became weightless in a lot of areas of my life because it wasn't like every little decision had to be poured over, uh, you know, within an inch of its life. I be, I became able mm-hmm. to trust the process. So I, I love that. And and I think that requires, on your part, an incredible amount of um, self-discovery and um, introspection. What is, mm-hmm. what is the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself in your recovery so far? Um, man, uh, the most interesting thing I've learned, I mean, I feel like I'm just... I'm kind of always learning something about myself. Um, And I think that's what's important about this, about it is you're never gonna, I mean, I've, and I've dived, I dive pretty deep in all of like this philosophical, the idea of living one day at a time is such a comforting thought. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways from, from the program for me is, uh, it's really, you really, there's there no, tomorrow is non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't exist. And, you know, yesterday is gone and you really only have right now. And so what's, who am I right now is sort of, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I, what I, I, <coughs> my ability I mean, I have nobody holding me down to this anymore. Like I have, I even have people in my life, some family members who are like, we don't even really think you have a problem. Mm, yeah. And friends who are like, like I've drank with you. You know, you're, it's not, you've never stole from me. You've never, yeah, whatever. The people, the people that these say things. that are the people that cannot see your insides. That's like, <coughs> right. if you could see what my insides look like from a physical level and a mental mm-hmm. level, you would see that mm-hmm. my pancreas is fucking inflamed and my brain is full of bees, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, full of bees, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. And so what I've learned is um, this is important to me. Mm. And, it ha- and it has to be important to, to me, you know? And I... And I talk about it on stage, and what's funny is, you know, anytime I do, I'll inevitably have some drunk person come up to me and be like, how'd you stop, man? Like, how'd you, how'd you quit? Because uh, I'm looking to quit. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> not now. Not like, I'm not thinking now, but about like, it. <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm tired, and everyone has the same little <gasps> spiel of, you know, I'm like, I'm just, like, tired of getting drunk. And it's like, yeah, man, we turn this shit into a job where you're like, fuck, I got to go to the store. But no, you don't. You don't have to go to the store. You don't just don't go to the store. I got to go to the store. I got to get my booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, what's what's the point of yeah, being the best alive? Is you'll do a 10 minute chunk about recovery and then someone will offer to buy you a drink after the set. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. That happens to me more often oh. than I'm like, did you not? I mean, were you just staring at my tits the whole time? Like, what the fuck? Is, <laughs> like, like, I literally said I'm sober about fucking 12 times. 
Yeah. It, it's, yeah exactly. But that's, I mean, that I'd rather, I'd rather someone see an example of recovery in the wild. And, you know, I don't talk about specific fellowships when I do my sober material, but it's just like, someone's going to say something and you might have a chance to be like, well, this is how I got sober. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, nary a person ever goes through with that. Cause that's just the way it looks. But I mean, I've had people come up to me as like, my aunt, my uncle, my this, my that. And I'm like, well, there's this place to go if you've got alcoholics in your life and it's specifically for you. And they're like, well, why do I need help if they're the one with the problem? I'm like, well, what if I told you? Yeah. What if I told you that the best way to help them would be to help yourself? And they're like, meh, meh. You know? <laughs> meh. Yeah. Well, no one. No one wants to get on The other thing. Like, no one wants to get out. Nope. That's the. Well, no one else. No. No one wants the burden of feeling like it's their fault in some way you know no one wants to feel like it's your well, the fault. alcoholic doesn't want to admit it's their fault no i don't want to be at fault ever. like i i drank I, I drank at the world like if you if you were me you would drink too like the alcoholic mm-hmm. the first thing that you have to get over is fucking oh yeah you take the drugs and alcohol away from me i'm the fucking problem you know and that right. i mean that that's where the honesty comes in. And I think it, anybody who ha- wants to recover in any capacity, whether it's a 12-step, whether you do any type of willpower, whatever your path is in recovery, it takes honesty. And it takes mm-hmm. fucking the honest, most honest you can possibly be with yourself. Like, I can never drink again. I can never, or yeah, I yeah. can't drink today. You know, how, wh- mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you. Uh, Kane, how honest are you with yourself and others today? Um, I feel like now I'm, I'm, there's a, there's a fellow of mine who, who his whole mantra is he lives in, um, how's he put it? He puts it in a way that I love and I can never remember exactly how he puts it, but it's like, um, like severe honesty in some way like he's just over honest mm. he's he's that way with his wife he's that way with his friends he just can't live dishonesty dishonestly anymore um because of the amount of turmoil he goes through internally uh and 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 he's the re- like he's one of the reasons I st- stopped drinking in the first place like I like was watching him stop to stop drinking and I was like all right I okay I got to ask him a few questions. And so the t- the tough thing with me is I've always been um yeah but you know <laughs> in in any kind of argument <laughs> like all right man I f- I hear you but hold on you mean a comedian is a contrarian? <laughs> Shush. Come on. Really breaking boundaries over here. <laughs> But um, the I saw this for a later question, but I, I just I mean we're talking about it now. I think th- it kind of opened up when I was talking with someone who I had hurt, and I had always done yeah, but um, with them constantly, and they asked me, "Can you can you not say anything while I tell you how you hurt me, and just." Just sit there, don't say anything, and please let me get this all out. And I said, sure. Probably one of the hardest things 
I've had to go through mentally in my adult life to just listen to all these things. And what I realized with this situation, it's like, no matter what your intent is, uh, you, I hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So I, I can have excuse after excuse after excuse. They're still hurt and they're hurt by me. Mm -hmm. And so rather than come up with a barrage of reasons why I was or why I did and whatever, I just, I said, I hear you and I'm sorry. And then after that, it became a lot easier to own up to mistakes when I made them. Was this pre-sobriety or? This was like getting just getting started like the first six months into sobriety it's a lot to take on in the beginning yeah yeah yeah. it was not fun at all well and i i want to applaud like how mature your ability to to hear i just need you to be quiet while i tell you how you hurt me and then coming to the listen listen i've been around here a minute i've dated men (laughs) in the rooms and (laughs) The closest way to get me to have that little eye twitch and to grab a frying pan is to say, but I didn't intend to hurt you. I'm like, mm-hmm. bitch, it doesn't matter. I didn't intend to do a lot of things. But if I do, if I fuck up, I say, hey, I fucked up. That's all you got to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. and the fact that it's six months you're getting that. And I know people with double digits that don't know that. Crushing. Yeah. yeah i mean it's not an easy thing but i never gave that i never gave that moment to any anybody and i never gave it to myself like i never actually sat and because you know you sit there and you 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 do that to yourself constantly i'm a piece of shit i'm a big i'm horrible especially like during drinking and getting sober because once you get sober you're like oh shit now i gotta tackle all this bullshit I got mm-hmm. like you. You see it coming. Like you look. You look at the fucking wall, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to make a list." Yeah. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm working the steps again, and I keep telling my my sponsor. I keep telling her, "Man, you know, uh, the eight steps never been easy. Eight the night steps never been easy for me. But the thought of making amends to comedians makes me want to fucking jump off a bridge." <laughs> and yeah. she just laughs and laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Oh my God! Well, the next uh, the next question is: How do you experience anxiety, Kane? Support for Twelve Questions podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past and I've nicked my balls plenty of times and you all know the pain of nicking your balls, ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging, it's just not a good time. 
Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. What question were we on? Defects? Anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. How do you experience it? Um, I, uh, I mean, I, f I, I go through a lot of anxiety now. Um, something I never, ever really experienced. Mm. I don't think I never, I never gave my anxiety the time of day until I got sober. Um, even when I was a kid and I didn't, uh, I just, I never, I felt very numb all the time mm. to my own emotions. I just sort of knew like, Hey, I'm, ha when I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm any, if I'm angry, I'm angry. But if I'm anything else, it's sort of, numbs it away and then one day i'm just like i'm anxious about everything i fear the whole world i fear i fear everyone's eyes on me um and i just i'd never s experienced that before i was 28 years old or 30 years old and yeah i was 30 and i'm just like i, I don't i've never experienced whatever this is and i saw a therapist and they're like yeah you have really high anxiety of PTSD from, uh, you know, from your teen years, you got a lot of, you got a lot of things going on. Mm. And so now anxiety will, will hit me. And, um, it's my mission to understand it. Um, mm -hmm. yes. so a lot of right, a lot of writing gets done. A lot of writing, a lot of, a lot more talking. Just, I call anybody that's willing to listen and be like, oh, I have, I got something going on. <laughs> Yeah. Out of this little ball. Um, it started to creep up when I was like, I, I gave up drinking and then I decided like, I'll just smoke weed. That'll be like my thing. And um, I was uh, I was smoking. I was I was on the road and I was staying with my ex's aunt and she was like, hey, tell us the time about you getting your jaw broken at a baseball game. Like I never f heard the full story and everyone was high. And I I was like, yeah, all right. And I start, <laughs> I start telling the story. And as I'm telling the story, each terrible moment that I get to in the story, um, the ant keeps going, oh, my God. And I, all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, and I'm getting afraid of my own story. <laughs> and <laughs> then I get to the part in the story where the doctor goes, yeah, if he would have aimed a little higher, he could have killed you with one punch. Whoa. And... And she go she she doesn't say anything. Then she puts her hand on my shoulder, 
and and goes, I am so sorry that happened to you. And I had a full-blown panic attack. I was freaking out. I was like, get your fucking hand off of me. And I started losing my mind at this woman I had met for the first time. This is the first time I'm meeting her. And I'm just spiraling out of control. And I just had like all of this untold anxiety yeah. that came out from from getting high and then when i when i was like all right i i don't get high anymore maybe i'll just be sober sober that those panic attacks never went away mm. mm-hmm. so they just they just kept coming well, it's also like hey can please relive this ptsd experience in front of the <laughs> crowd <laughs> yeah yeah have you um have you ever had a panic attack on stage no, I've never had a panic attack on stage. Well, you're not um, living until you've had a panic attack. <laughs> Let me tell what you. Is, uh, what is that like? Well, I was at the I was at the comedy store and I was doing a set and I was doing something different and I wanted to sing in the middle of the set. I used to sing in high school, like opera and shit, and I want to sing. Ooh. And I couldn't control my body. I just couldn't get my body to do what it wanted to do. And then I felt disassociated, right? So I felt myself kind of being John Malkovich in the back of my my head watching the movie that was playing out in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then I left the club and I started vomiting. And I was like, oh, I had a panic attack. Wow. And I, um, I marched into the therapist's office the next day and I was like, need more help with this. So I totally mm-hmm. understand, like... We don't realize that, uh, first off, the steps are not a cure-all, like, especially when dealing with things like, they make us fantastic at therapy and mm-hmm. excellent at receiving help. But, um, you know, when it comes to, like, anxiety, PTSD, depression, you know, um, all, all manner of, of mental health issue, it is, uh, it is a really big deal to get that ex- to get that outside help it's really important yep. um i yell at motherfuckers all the time in meetings that this is not gonna especially when people like especially with the grief shit we've talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. a lot like 90 and 90 is not gonna take grief pain away you know 90 and 90 is not gonna cure your bipolar you know 90 and 90 mm-hmm. is not gonna help you with your fucking eating disorder it's gonna hopefully Working the steps is going to fit you to be honest and open and willing to get the help that you fucking need. That's it. That's yeah. that's the function mm-hmm. of a 12-step program. And it doesn't matter which one that you do. It's just yeah. like, that's why people have to go to multiple 12-step programs. It's like, what you're telling me, I got diabetes and I've got anxiety disorder? Yeah, and you got to treat them both <laughs> differently. Because just treating your anxiety is not going to keep your feet from falling off. Well, it's such a funny... <laughs> Dave... <laughs> Well, it's such a funny, you know, the amount of times that I've said over the years and then you late, I later hear people say, well, I, I got it. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't need therapy. I don't need X, Y, Z. Um, I figured out what I need to do in my life. And it's like, all right. I mean, that's your life. But there's literally nothing wrong with some nope. help. Just go, just go talk it out with a stranger. No, and the, and that leads into the seventh question. What defects of character have you worked on or surrendered to the most? Because some of them I got to surrender to, but some of them I got to get help with. So, Kane, what defects of character have you been rolling around oh, with? Oh, man. Um, sh- 
just my uh, everything we talked about before, but I I just had a um, chronic case of shutting down uh, in every one of my relation. I mean, name a name a type of relationship. Uh, if it's not going great, even for a s- millisecond, I'm I'm shutting down and I'm uh, retreating, and and then a lot of times I would retreat into a bottle and then we'd fight about it later. Uh, so many times I would say out loud, or I'd say into my own head uh, while drinking, "Hey, just don't fight. <laughs> just don't fight with her. Just don't. You'll be." Fu- if you don't, if you choose to not fight now, you're not gonna fight later. That's just math, baby. That's just how that rolls. <laughs> By the way, in recovery, I've had that pep talk with myself and been like, "You told yourself you weren't gonna fight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Um, and when I do fight, my uh, anger is a is is seemingly unmatched. It's mm-hmm. like you just. Don't step into the ring with me. Anxiety and anger are like the peas and carrots. Uh, like there is this really fascinating way that we have a, to tunnel our anxiety into just like pure rage. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Cause I, that's usually if I'm angry, I gotta be like, what's happening? Am I frustrated? Yeah, yeah. Am I mm-hmm. anxious? Do I feel hurt? What is it? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I've had it recently where I've, so I've really had to work on that and then getting into a new relationship. We got into our first fight in span of like five, six months of being together. I didn't know what to do. I mean, we're, I didn't, I didn't want to yell and I didn't want to retreat. And so I'm just like, what's healthy, you know? And I kept trying to, and I kept I, I was like, all right, speak as calmly as possible. And then that sounded like I was being condescending. And so, <laughs> and so like, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know what I'm doing here um, in the, in this. And I need to, I need to like under, uh, understand myself better. And so that was, um, that was a moment of being like, who, who even am I if I'm not yelling and if I'm not retreating? Like who, who am I? what is this person? And, um, that's a person I still, you know, I'm figuring out, you know, cause as easy going as I can seem. And a lot of people do see, like they, they hear about me being a drunk, angry person. And they're like, I can't with hair. And they're like, I can't even imagine who that person is. And I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, I can't really see him anymore, but he's in oh, there. Yeah. He's he's still in there. He's fat and he's stuck in Character there. Character defects are like whack a mole for me. Some of them I've whacked uh, considerably hard enough that they don't crop up, but some of them I have to keep fucking beating the shit out of, like beat it back down mm-hmm. again. And it's like I don't like I don't steal from people anymore, but I definitely right. talk shit about people sometimes. You know, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll gossip and that creeps back up every once in a while. Like that, the way I combat gossip in my recovery is like. I can still tell a story sometimes, but I leave out any any indication of gender, location, city, name, anything. And I can mm-hmm. still tell the story about how someone fucked me over. And I can still tell the story yeah, yeah. about, you know, how I don't like this person because of X. But it's like I could just tell the story. Like, and I mm-hmm. figure that out. Like, it really, like, all it does when you name names and talk about, like, 
the specifics it just emboldens you that you're right and you get people who are already biased because they like you on your side you know and it's real hard it's right. real hard in this business to not want to talk some shit but i mean we were, we were oh, talking yeah. pre-podcast i did my best to not name the club i was at or or the people that we were dealing with and that's that's how i prevent myself from gossip and and that's how i work towards you know knowing what that looks like knowing who i am you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and as far as anger, it's like, how do I manage my anger? So not only am I not flinging it at someone's face like a monkey with feces, but how am I also not mm-hmm. swallowing it and turning it into stomach cancer? You know, and yeah, and yeah, I think that, yes, you know, that, that I think that balance is, is where I, I got to get to, but it also involves forgiveness. Like, I got to forgive myself because at least I'm attempting. At least I'm attempting to find that middle ground. At least I'm attempting to try to walk through and not around my issues today. Uh, Kane, how do you experience forgiveness in your life today? It's, um, God, you know, it's a lot the same. Uh, I really want to, I really want to accept, um, that people fucked up without making it an all day ordeal. And, um, that's another thing. That's another cross to bear where I'm just like, I'm still mad (laughs) and I'm trying not to be. And, you know, get around people who are like, why, but can't we just be done with it? And I'm, and I just, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, I don't know. And I, and I know, and I know inherently, um, that that's not a way I just, I'm still, I still struggle with, um, the con that concept of being like, just done with it, just done with it. Let's forgive and forget and move on. Um, uh, I mean, if I'm like really angry, um, but when it comes to, you know, you, if it comes to just you, you dicked up, you had these minor moments, um, forgiveness comes very, very, easy it's um i'm a lot less i used to just burn a relationship down to the ground any any relationship friends whatever let, it's like i don't need the you flames from the bridges i burn light my <laughs> way into the next flame on yeah. <laughs> yeah dude i i i um trashed people pretty egregiously hope hoping that the relationship would end and um and 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 when it would it you know i felt validated in my choices like yeah of course we're not see i told you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you you're a you're a real piece of shit to me right now why would i want to be your friend why would i want to be in a mm-hmm. uh, relationship with you and it's like well yeah well uh, i'm not that bad of a person yeah and um you know you're forg- you need you you, you, ne- you need to be lower to the ground and and looking up at me begging for my forgiveness and even then i don't think i would have accepted it and now that's not a i really really hold dear to the idea that i'm not better than anybody (laughs) i'm not better than anybody and there's no way i possibly could be to hold somebody to any kind of standard yeah you know. yeah, I don't think on a human level I'm I, I'm better or worse than anybody else. But like you know, sometimes for me, like what I gotta take care of too is also self worth, 
and like I'm very good at what I do, you know. And sometimes like mm-hmm. if I'm not careful, I'll be like, well, I'm not good enough, you know, like that. So there's yeah. there's the danger in that too. It's like I I'm not better than anybody as a person, um, but I'm definitely funnier than people as a com- you know what I'm saying. Like so like you can still sure. you could still feel good about what your place in in your skill set is and, and and things like that. You know, like I, ha- I have to be careful because like I, I have self-worth issues. Like I'm not good enough. I don't deserve mm-hmm. this. They're going to find out I'm a fraud, that, that, that imposter syndrome, you know. So, so if mm-hmm. I just blanket my, my, my thought processes with like, oh, no, no, we're, we're, I'm, I'm no, no better or worse. Like, no, no, no. Like there are some people I'm better at this job than. I'm not better than everybody. Sure. Like I, that's shit. I go down to the improv and the comedy store and sit in the back and go to fucking school. And I watch people just fucking go go right. ham, and I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna burn my notebooks. But I think I, I I think a common misconception in recovery is that the ego has to be smashed, and and what it really is is the ego needs to remain right sized because if the ego is smashed completely, I don't do things like take care of myself or educate myself or shower or anything like that. It 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 needs to be right sized. Like I'm no better than any human being on uh, on the planet like as far as a human being goes. But like right. I'm better than people at certain things because I've worked really hard to practice these skills. So like it, it it's mm-hmm. like it's like that 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 control of the ego that right sizedness if that makes any sense of the ego for for this alcoholic is super important. Yeah, and I've I sort of I was so used to the idea of that's just how you treat people because I was because I would get treated like that by people I love the most. Um, which is why I always thought um, YouTube comments about my comedy not being funny always felt really okay, silly. Okay, those to me. were all me. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I fucking As knew I it. Get, I have to get right with God and Cain right now. <laughs> <laughs> Never read the comments. That is always when comedians love, are no, like, I read them all. I'm like, don't read the comments. That's crazy. Well, why would you do that? Well, I wanted to know. I mean, I told this a bunch of times on other shows, but like, the. I just wanted to know what that would feel like because I've never had a I, I never at that point in my life never had a video get as many views and so I was like I wonder what strangers think of they me hate you. and <laughs> and dude when and the hate didn't hurt you know it just it didn't hurt me and I was sort of confused by it and then I realized like it's not real it's not tangible and then I started to think about it even deeper than that it's like the people I love the most in the world um, told me I was no good that and nothing's ever hurt more in, in my life and so then you know this whole idea of well who how do, how do I treat people mm-hmm. you know and it's like how do I treat people when I when I'm trying to when I'm trying to end it and that's when I was like you know no one deserves no one deserves the kind of hate you learn mm-hmm. you know and you and and then you just practice that the rest of your life. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, who, who am I? And, um, that, sh- that struggle of that, that whole struggle of how to treat everybody. Um, and also not be walked on by people. You know, it's like, there's this weird 
balance between like here here's a here's a section of people that you could give a shit about and you can treat them the way you you could treat them any way you want because who cares what they think and then there's this other section of people where you're like man i really hope they love me i'll i'll do anything for them and then you're getting walked all over and there's just like this you're you're split down the middle of this person and you start to wonder well who who am i Mm -hmm. like who am i living for am i living for me well i i think that the key to that and the key to that balance and balance is by the way the bane of long-term recovery it is it is the hardest thing to achieve and i think the key to that is a healthy relationship with the tenth step like just taking a moment to evaluate every day and like even this last weekend i had some incredible highs and then yesterday i fucking crossed a boundary uh with somebody over the phone and immediately knew it and immediately was like how can i make this right you know Mm -hmm. and then i had to go through the emotional process of turning off the ass kicking machine you know Mm -hmm. and and you know amends and and like formal amends is really kind of amazing like what what is the most interesting amends you've ever given or gotten um uh, weird apologies, like stuff you've had to, to kind of, to sort through. Um, well, the, the one amends of, um, being that laundry list of, of things being told where she was asking me, you know, please don't, please don't say anything during this whole thing. That was, do you mind extrapolating on that? that? Do you mind flushing some of those out? Like what were some of the things you got told? Um, my just that how how i was treating them um sort of how i uh, explained how i would treat any uh, anybody i'm trying to push out of my life um lying uh lying about any lying about anything mm-hmm. really um oh no just so i didn't were you doing that thing where it's like, it's not just like, where were you? What were you with? It would be like, it would be like uh, really arbitrary lies. Just yeah. like really stupid. Like, why would you say that? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, lying about anything mm-hmm. and then feeling that, almost feeling like a high off of it. Mm. Like, I wonder if I'm going to get away with this. And then I don't. And the, and it's like, I can't, I can't trust you. Why are you lying all the time? Um, and then who who I, who I am when I'm, when I'm dry, who I am when I'm, um, uh, when I'm drunk, it's just like this, it's like, there's, it's a mirror of the same guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm loud and I'm angry and I'm, and I'm aggressive and there's just like this sort of fear of the unknown of like um, who they are in my in my life. They feel awful about themselves. They feel disrespected and um, unimportant. And it got boiled down to I just I I took away all of. I took away every bit of trust they had and when that and when when we were when I was sitting there thinking about it I'm like you know they're absolutely right and um when that when I was able to like understand what that meant is when I decided to start living 
more honestly. Mm. And so again, after that, it was like the YouTube comments of, uh, it's like all of a sudden now when I'm being told I'm fucking up, it's a lot easier to take. Cause when you start hearing about how, y- how you affected someone who's very important to you, um, you start to be a little more conscientious of how you act, uh, selfishly mm-hmm. and um and that's probably the most interesting because it was it was it was just my job to hear hear them and apologize mm-hmm. and that was pr- that was pretty much it and i wasn't at step nine yet and uh so that's probably the most interesting no i mean what? did they accept your apology or did they tell you to get fucked uh, they accepted it. Yeah. Um, they still, and then later told me to get fucked. <laughs> they were, you know, they just, they were like going, they were going through it too. Like yeah. they were going through like, all right, I've, I've unleashed all of this. Now he knows he's accepted it and he's not trying to walk away from it. He's not trying to lie his way out of it or ex- uh, excuse any of it. And I'm still mad. It's completely okay to be done with people. And it's, mm-hmm. it's completely okay to, to, to know that part of it is my job, my living amends to certain people has been to never talk to them again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's people, uh, yeah, there's people I don't want to talk to anymore in my life. Uh, I talk about him all the time. My dad, uh, I don't talk to him anymore. He's a big, but he's also someone I had to, I had to forgive. Mm. I just had to forgive him and uh, on my own. I mean, I never, I never forgave him to his face, but um, I forgave him in my heart. And now it's, my life is a lot easier because of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Was it just like a tough, tough relationship or like abuse situations or? Yeah, it was very abusive. He was, um, you know, he, he liked to he liked to beat me up. I talk about it in my I named my comedy album after him. <laughs> um, uh, it's called Can't See Straight, and the reason for that is I was a buddy of mine was doing a um, he wanted to do a show about child abuse because he had like suffered child abuse and he wanted an opener who um, was going to do some material on it. And he was like, "Hey man, you got any do you got any bits uh, or jokes about your dad beating you up? <laughs> I was like, no. And he goes, can you write some? Um, can you write like 20 minutes? I'm like, maybe 10, dude. I have, I have ah. maybe. And he was like, all right, um, let's get to work. So then I started to think like, what is funny about my dad's child abuse? And the thing that I, w- I was able to real, I was like, all right, what's, what, what could, what's like a funny moment when he would hit me and the moment came when I was like, Oh yeah. Um, whenever he'd get mad, this eye would go lazy and start floating off. And I would always look at it as he's getting madder. His eye would get lazier and lazier and I would just stare at it. And then he would always go, I'm so mad. I can't even see straight. And all I could see was (laughs) his eye bobbling over here. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and then he beat me up, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, my my mom, uh, both my parents could be violent, but my mom was particularly so. And um, 
I was doing a podcast and I was telling the story about um, my mom. Uh, I decided in the third grade I just didn't want to go to school. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going. No, I'm not going. And we had it out for an entire day, and she broke her hand on me. And Ooh. and I I'm laughing my ass off telling the story, and the other two people are like horrified. Mm-hmm. Because humor yeah. was one of my very early, not defense mechanisms, but things that buffered the reality of what was going on. It was at least a way to talk about the reality without it being um, controversial, you know, just to be funny mm-hmm. about it. And um, so I, I, I totally get that. And and I, I, too, have forgiven my mom. Like, And I've forgiven myself for as I grew up because that abuse becomes a cycle and it becomes two-sided. Like I, mm-hmm. I, start, I forgave myself as well, and um, and I think that's really important. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I don't have to live in that cycle of guilt and fear every day. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know I can. Uh, there's a lot of talk about like PTSD and trauma, especially on social media, and 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 I think that's great. I think normalizing it is really really good. But I also don't have to live in that label. I can be like, these yeah. are things that make me who I am, you know, and things that, you know, I am gritty and resilient and amazing and I'm not broken in any way. You know, I'm like one of those little yeah. Japanese pieces of pottery with the gold sealing it. You know, it's like it's like that. That to me is it's very important to, to feel that um, on a daily basis, I'm not in fragments any longer. Well, yeah, and he he lived a lot of his life in victimhood, mm-hmm. um, and that was a th- that was another thing. Same with my mom. Yeah, abusers yeah. think that they're abused. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, like I, you know, one day we had it out on the phone one day, and I was just telling him, like, you know, I was just like going off on some some ways that he made me he made me not trust him, and um, I think he was like asking me why why I flinch so often. You know, I get anybody who gets close to me, I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. And I flinch. I flinched really aggressively. Yeah. Like people are like, Jesus! I scare people with my my flinching. I used and, to do um, that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was just like, he was calling me a little bitch about it or something, something to that effect. And I'm like, that's your fault, you know. And uh, and as we're going on, he's he's like explaining. He's like, you think you had it bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, my childhood, grandpa, blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, no, listen. <laughs> I know you had it rough. I've heard the stories. You didn't have to do it to me too. It didn't have to we didn't have to like continue the story uh and that has been my uh, like one of my big one of my not hurdle hurdles the wrong word, but one of my big understanding of of life and victimhood of it in and of itself it's like <clears throat> it does not matter how bad you had it. You don't get to treat other people the same way. Yes. You know, I don't give a fuck. Um, oh, well, I had a bad childhood. Me too, dog. And so did you. And so did that guy. And so did that fucking person. Everyone had it rough. That does not, that does not give you carte blanche to be a piece of shit. That's a, I like it on a social level. I had to pay college loans. Oh, yeah. Why can't, why do these kids have to have college loan mm-hmm. forgiveness? That's fucked up. And I'm like, yeah. can we just break the generational curses both individually and socially right now? Can we just do that? Mm-hmm. Can we just start breaking these generational trauma bonds? Let's try that. 
you know? Yeah. And that's what's so amazing about you. That's what's so magical about you is you're doing the work, you've done the work, and you're doing the work to break those generational patterns that you mm-hmm. so easily, listen, how old are you right now? 34. Okay, how old are you? How old was your dad when he had you? Uh, 25. Okay, so at 25, 26, you could have popped out a kid and started beating the shit out of them too. Mm-hmm. But you chose not oh, to, yeah. you know, yeah. and and you chose to work on yourself. And I think that's that's fucking amazing. That's that's the sign of like you have a daily practice that works, you know, and you've talked about it a yeah. lot. You write, you call, you do this. What is your day-to-day spiritual practice like, Kane? Um, meditating uh, 20 minutes a day. I f- find it to be it's it's something i need mm-hmm. if i if i skip a day my brain is mush um journaling and uh yeah i spend quite a quite a lot of time talking about sobriety with i i make myself accessible um to even like my sponsor you know the and it's it's the funny thing about sponsors is that they seem like teachers mm-hmm. they seem like uh they're the professors who are going to grade you you know when you're lo- going through the steps with them um and then you know they turn around and they need help mm-hmm. just like we do i think that's just such a funny thing totally um and so i s- spend a lot of time you know being honest about my sobriety like we talked about and um that's that's my main daily routine um and uh i basically you know just try to make myself available to my sobriety then the you know i can feel myself i feel myself slip and i'll i get a little lazy sometimes and I'll get uh, and I'll and I'll recognize that in myself, and people can recognize it in myself too when they're like, "You're, you're a little aggressive, or you're a little uh, anxious today." Mm-hmm. And I can. That's when I have to spin around and go, "All right, let's get back to it." You know, let's get back to uh, get into a meeting, talk to others, talk to you know, a lot of my fellows. I'm on a group chat with a bunch of sober comics, and that's fun because um, as as inviting as everyone is. Um, they still give you a lot of shit, <laughs> and uh, and that's the environment that I'm comfortable in. Mm, mm. What's your relationship with a higher power? Do you have one? What's it look like? Um, my I, I look at my higher power. Um, sort of how we started this is that um, it is giving it up to the idea that I'm a alcoholic. Uh, you know, I, I have no control. And so I give all my power over to the idea that I am that, 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 um, defines me and it doesn't in a certain, certain sense, but I have, I have no control over my life. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I look at it. uh, That's the way that I can look at it. The best is that I'm an alcoholic. That's my higher power. I love that. That's perfect. That's perfect. Kane, last question. Are you ready? Yeah. You did it. This has been a wonderful episode, by the way. I am oh, like thank you so much. So glad that 
we fought the schedule monsters and the typo monsters and the everythings and you're so patient we got you on this podcast because this was such a great episode thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty how what is one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world right now this is the part where you give it away you know what i mean give it away Mm -hmm. what would i tell somebody like me i was at i was thinking about this the other day it was um if you're struggling out there with alcohol and you're trying but you're trying to figure out what um if you have a problem or not i think a lot of people need to ask themselves how important is alcohol to you and um it's not something you can answer just when being asked that question Mm -hmm. i think if you look at uh, if you look at a situation where you're you're in and you can drink, but you ch- you want to you want to choose not to drink, how important it is for you to drink that right now? How important it is? How important is alcohol to be in your life mm-hmm. right now? And um, and that's sort of an unending question. And um, that's what I would say. Also, read. Yeah. <laughs> Just read a, read a lot more than you think you do. If you think you read a lot, read more. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I was I was, I was literally saying that last night. I was like, read something, please. Read a book. Mm-hmm. Not read, read your phone. Book. Read a book. Read a book. Mm-hmm. And um, that we have to feed our little brains, you know. And I, I'm one mm-hmm. of those people I have to read. I also have to exercise. I have to, like, challenge myself. I have to – I got the – I got the adrenaline junkie, you know, from the neglected abuse kids stuff. I got the adrenaline junkie stuff. So I got to like, I got to do a lot of stuff to get the, get the demons out daily. And, um, and I think that that's, that's so valuable and important. I love that. Kane. Where can people find you and all the shit you're doing? Uh, I, you can find me at Kane Holloway on Instagram and, uh, I do a show called don't take bullshit from fuckers with Greg Barrett. Yes. Uh, and uh, if you want to find that, you can go to DTBFF Podcast on Instagram and uh, KaneHolloway.com. Yay! I love it. Dave, where can people find you? You can find me on all the things at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Still currently banned from Facebook because I like to make jokes, but you can find me at Dave Yates uh, on Facebook. But there's not going to be many posts because I am in jail for another... 14 more days so but uh holler at me on the tiktoks i'm doing a lot of sober sketches and things that seem people seem to like so at yates comedy y-a-t-e-s comedy nice nice and you can uh find me at anna via's phone on twitter and instagram you could also find me at annavalenzuela.com um or maybe you can't uh hey u.s bank send me my new card you jerks i can't pay for anything right now um uh but you can always find me again at anna is fun with two ends uh, you can find this podcast at 12q pod on all the social medias including the tiktoks uh we love to post little audiograms and you can do at them and you can share them with all of your sober tiktok people recovery tiktok people um and how we end this podcast every time kane as if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. Oh. <laughs> I always love it when people are, like, pleasantly surprised. They're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. You don't hear, you don't hear it all that often. Exactly. And, Dave, mm-hmm. if nobody's told you this today, we love you. <laughs> Dave. That's the Dave of it all. 
And oh, if you're listening and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Everybody. Thanks so for listening. Bye. Love you guys. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs>